Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. We're on the series Live No Lies. It's based on this book by John Mark Comer, um, Live No Lies. And uh, I would encourage you, if you have not had a chance to read this book, this is available at, um, at the welcome counter, the counter outside the door as you leave. And uh, I want it's, to, it, it's all about recognizing and resisting the enemies that sabotage your peace. And uh, I think this last couple years have been challenging for everyone. Um, but I, I think, like, people talk about, like, what's, what, what has happened? And, and, like, we've just watched society accelerate. We've just watched, like, ways of thinking accelerate. We've watched the, uh, really, an assault on truth accelerate. And there's, you know, the, there's a... Sometimes you, you, you begin to wonder, like, what, what is taking place? And, and what we have to, I think, sometimes we, we fail to realize is there's, there's like, in, in change, there's actually a very real enemy to your soul that seeks to, take oper- seeks to take advantage of seasons of change to bring destruction. And to, you know, Jesus, Jesus said, like, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's, that's his job description. That's what he does. And, you know, there's, there's some scriptures. It, it's funny because we don't, we don't talk about the devil a lot at church, do we? We don't. And it's, there's a simple reason, because that's not who we came to worship. So we don't talk about him a lot. But there's also, there's, there's also a, sometimes we don't talk about him enough. To, to the point where we, we still need to recognize there actually is a real devil. Jesus acknowledged the devil is a real entity, not just bad vibes, not just, you know, buzz killer at the party. It's, that, that, that it's a malicious personal force that is seeking to destroy humanity, and you're a part of what he's seeking to destroy. And Paul said, 2 Corinthians, he said, it's my duty to make sure that Satan does not win even a small victory over us, for we do not want to be naive and then fall prey into his schemes. And the word naive just means simply unaware. You know, a perfect example of being unaware is when I was a, when I was a, a young kid, we used to watch Three's Company as a family. How many remember Three's Company? You just dated yourself right there. Some of you have no clue what I'm... And I remember watching it, and we would laugh, and, 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 as a, and then I watched it as an adult. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, this is perverted. But as a kid, I was naive. I had no idea. I had no idea what, what, what this show was about. And there's, I think there's things in, in life where we're just naive of the fact there's a, there's a very real enemy that is seeking to bring destruction. There's a very real enemy, that, very real enemy that's seeking to undermine truth in our lives. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Stay alert. 
Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Again, be alert. Don't be unaware. Don't be naive. And uh, last week, Monica, Monica described this, uh, this struggle um, uh, this, the, the struggle of following Jesus in three ways of, of how, you know, we fight temptation or the three things, the three enemies that sabotage our peace. The first is our thoughts, which is the devil. The second is our passions, which is the flesh. And the third is our world itself. And some, some, some people have called this the unholy trinity, is that, you know, our thoughts work against us at times, don't they? And, this, and the strategy of these three things, it works like this. There's deceptive ideas which play to disordered desires, which is our flesh, that are normalized in a sinful society, which is the world around us. And I think it's so important that we, you know, Jesus was clear, there's a devil. He didn't, he didn't just say, you know, there's just, you know, you just need to meditate and have good thoughts. He said, there's a devil, his, his goal is to spread death, and his way of doing that is through lies. And he taught that our primary war against the devil as a fight is a fight to believe truth over lies. Which, which is really interesting, because the very first instance that we see the devil showing up on the scene, what, is, what does he do? It's the, the first spiritual attack was an idea. The first spiritual attack was an idea. We're going to come back to that in a bit. But when you look at the, the concept of spiritual warfare throughout the New Testament, the common thread is that we, we, we have to actually do war through ideas, through the thoughts that we think. And the most compelling lies, they're not, they're not just tiny little lies. The most compelling lies become these complex systems of thinking that are designed to take us off of truth. But when we believe truth, when we believe ideas that correspond to reality as expressed in God's word, we show up to the world in a way that causes us to flourish and to thrive. Lies cause us, they're ideas that don't correspond to the reality found in God's word, and it causes us to struggle. It causes us to wither. And an easy example of how dangerous um, a system of thinking or how dangerous ideas can be, and this is kind of easy pickings and gets used a lot, but uh, the, the example of, of Germany, where Germany in the 1930s was at the apex of Western civilization. And a lot of times we, we fail to realize, we actually fail to realize how advanced uh, the German nation was in in terms of 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 planet earth they were they were far ahead of America they were on par or ahead of England and if you you pick your basically pick your metric of choice art architecture literature poetry academics engineering science technology and even theology Germany was the place where Martin Luther came from this is the birthplace of the Reformation of the church this is all came out of Germany. We, German engineers are still, they're, they're still at the top of engineering around the world. 
And yet, in a very short period of time, an entire society was corrupted from the inside out by what? Ideas. Ideas. Ideas about race. Ideas about nationalism. Ideas about God. Ideas that drove Europe and the entire planet into chaos, which led into World War II and led to the led to the massacre of millions of people. Winston Churchill in 1943, in his speech at Harvard, said the empires of the future will be empires of the mind, and the wars of the future will be the wars of ideas. And we, don't you see that happening around us now? There's a war on ideas. In our lives, ideas can undermine our faith, Ideas can undermine our relationships. They can undermine our families. They can undermine our peace. So many of our problems, they started as ideas. And then we acted on them, but they weren't ideas based in truth. Lies that come in the form of deceptive ideas are the devil's primary method of enslaving humanity and entire human groups and societies. And this is, why, this is why Jesus came as, he was called rabbi or a teacher. What do teachers do? They teach, that's good, right answer. <laughs> but teachers, teaches, teachers lead us into truth or should lead us into truth. A good teacher is one who helps you see the world differently, aren't they? He came to teach us. He came to liberate us from deceptive ideas, from wrong ideas. John 8, 32, Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will will set you free. He came to liberate us with the weapon of truth. And he, and he was true. Truth, truth, he was clear. Truth can be known. And there, there's, there seems to even be an assault on that in our, in, our, in our world today. It's like, well, who really knows what's true? Like now, it, and, it, and let's, let's face it, I mean, you watch the news now and you don't even know, is this true? Like, is this real? Is this happening? Is this actually what's happening? Or is this just what, you know, media has decided I need to believe this week? Or is this what this organization has decided I, is in my best interest if I believe a certain thing? And, and what's funny is you realize that, well, if we're looking to the world for truth, the world isn't the source of truth. Jesus is the source of truth. And so we want to we be led by the right sources. When Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, he was, he was simultaneously saying that we can be enslaved to lies and untruths that keep us in bondage. By saying, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, he was saying that when there's areas of our life that are untrue, it keeps us enslaved. It keeps us bound 
It keeps us limited. It keeps us hindered. We are all constantly being bombarded with beliefs, aren't we? Beliefs about our lives, beliefs about our relationships, beliefs about success or what is success, beliefs about, you know, beliefs that, and and oftentimes, like, these beliefs haven't even been tested. It's just beliefs of just that are just being thrust upon you you need to believe this you need to believe that this is true for you this is you know or we we this or or the the big thing now is like your truth like everybody has a different truth you know two plus two is four well i don't just don't believe that in my world two plus two seven you know no matter how much i actually believe that two plus two will never be seven it will never be seven. And you know, I think it was 2014, I bought my very first brand new vehicle. 2004, maybe it was 2011. It's a brand new truck. <laughs> I like trucks. But my very first, it was a work truck, but I got some stuff on it to make it, you know, like the mullet. Business in the front, party in the back, you know, like that's, and it was a nice, it was a, it was a lifted four by four Chevy, GMC to be exact, and, you know, I, I, I got it, I got it in February, I, th- I think it was 2011, anyways, it doesn't really matter, but I had, I was out on a job site out at, by Alder Flats, and a storm rolled in, and I was, as I was driving home, in the truck, um, all this, I, it began to, it began to, like, you know how they just kind of like seize, like buck and like lose power, and then the the, the engine light starts blinking. <clears throat> That's my favorite. Yes, it's <clears throat> when the when the engine light starts blinking, and then it gives you like entering into reduced power mode and I am out by Alder Flats. I can only go 20 kilometers an hour. I'm trying to come on. I've got, I've got the dealership on the phone and I'm saying like, what is wrong? And they're just basically they're You know, it, it, I have no, I have no power. It's blizzarding. I can't get home. And they said, it will stay going. It, you will be able to drive 20 kilometers an hour all the way home. I said, well, that's wonderful. Thank you for that 20 kilometers an hour. I'll just, you know, get out and push, too. So, and they said, they said, bring it, come in. We have something for you when you, when you get here. And then when I came, I went into the dealership, and, and they gave me a package. And they said, this, is, this should have been given to you when you bought your truck. This is, there is a known issue with these vehicles. And I said, what, well, what's the issue? And he said, well, the, here's what happened is when this model of truck came out. They redesigned the air intake system on, on the Chevys for in this year of model. And, and then, you know, this is a voice of experience talking. He said, here's the problem. They design these things in Kentucky. And they never test them in northern Canada. So they have these wonderful ideas 
about what, what, what will make a truck work better, but they don't field test them in places where we go to minus 40 and have blowing snow to see how it will respond. And so they gave me a package. It was just basically a grill cover is all it was. It was nothing fancy, but it was, you know, the cover you put on your grill so that the snow doesn't go into the, into the, to the air intake. That's the way I feel about a lot of the ideas that the world is throwing at us right now. About what makes humanity healthy. It's like you're throwing us a lot of ideas that have never been field tested in humanity past like 50 years or 100 years. I want to know like if what you're telling me is going to make it, you're telling me that this will cause us to thrive, but will it make us thrive in the next hundred years as a society? There was a there was recent, recently I was listening to an article. This isn't going to be political, but it's kind of going to be political for a minute. And and they were interviewing university students in Canada, and they said that seventy percent of university students in Canada believe communism could be a good idea to try. And I realized, okay, first of all, our schools are really failing to teach kids history. Because we, like, communism has been field tested. Like, a hundred years ago, it was field tested. Huge portion of those people are dead now and living in poverty of the nations that decided to field test communism. You know, the best, let's just jump right back into Germany. You know, Germany, at the end of World War II, was split between the Allied and the Axis forces. And one side became democratic, and the other side became communist. Poverty ripped through the communist side, and prosperity ripped through the, the democratic side. We, I mean, we can just... Mike, don't be political. <laughs> the thing is, is... Communism is the brainchild of the educated elite in the world. It sounds really good in theory. Communism, like you're a heartless jerk if you don't think communism is a good idea. Everybody has equal. Everybody, you know, nobody, nobody prospers at the expense of somebody else. It's all equal for everybody. Like, what kind of monster are you that you think that's not a good idea? The problem is in the implementation. Well, who, first of all, who's deciding what's equal? Second of all, when you give somebody enough power to take stuff away from others, like just distribute chips among kids, chips and candy bars, and give them all to one kid and say, you fairly distribute this to all the kids. And you will have a kid with a suitcase full of chocolate bars Every other kid will get one, and that kid will walk home with his suitcase full of chocolate bars. Because that's what the way the human heart works. This is, like, this isn't in my message. This is... I just find it really strange that, you know, communism, a good idea. This is our university students that are shaping our future. 
that will become future political leaders. This is dangerous. Because these are just ideas that we can just go through history and see these didn't work. They're not good ideas. And some of you might be thinking, I need to educate you on communism, Mike. You, you just, <clears throat> we'll talk later. Communism. A hundred million people died at the hands of communism in non-wartime events. Why? For the greater good. See, in communism, if it's to the advantage of this group of people to die, because, you know, if we let 10 million people die here, 100 million more people will have the sufficient amounts of food. Then you let the 10 million die for the greater good. That's, anyways, my... This is what happens when I get off topic. What's happening is our society is replacing God with ideology. They're replacing God with ideology. And what's happening is, with, see, when God, when ideologies become God, you're not allowed to question God. So as soon as you start to ask questions about ideas, all of a sudden you're finding, well, you're touching God now. You're questioning God. And so you get vilified for questioning ideas. But ideas should be questioned. find funny that we're so, when it comes to teaching, when it comes to, when it comes to teaching, or when it comes, it seems we're slow and skeptical to trust teachings of sin and other hard topics of scripture, but somehow we seem to be really quick to adopt you know, these, these secular ideas of the culture of the world around us, but but they're not, they're not field-tested. All right, moving right along. You know, what, what we're exposed to is what forms us. What we expose, the, 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 the ideas that we expose, our to, uh, expose ourselves to, the thoughts that we expose ourselves to, the, the, the entertainment that we expose ourselves to, that's what's forming what we start to believe as truth in our lives and we're either being formed into the image of Jesus we're either being formed or we're being formed into the image of the devil and this isn't just a christian thing this is a human thing we're either being formed into something good or we're being formed into something that's not good and the question is is what are we being formed into The question is never, are we becoming something? It's the question's always, what are we becoming? And what we give our attention to, that shapes who we become. We're doing, a, we're doing an online devotional right now in uh, some of you are, that are a part of that, that is put out by an comp- organization called The First 15. And basically, this, the, the whole premise is, like, make the first 15 minutes of your day 15 minutes that shapes you in a good direction, that shapes you in your relationship with God, that shapes you into into character. Let that that first 15 minutes be time that you spend with God. Let God begin to, to, to speak truth into your heart. 
there was a, the Barna Institute, which is an institute that uh, researches churches, church trends. Uh, re, on a recent research on millennial Christians, they, they found that millennial Christians spend almost 2,800 hours a year consuming digital content. But only 153 hours of that is Christ-based. And the rest is YouTube, Instagram, Netflix, Apple, fill in the blank. But is it, we have to ask ourselves the question, is it, is it any wonder that the church is often seeing the world more through the lens of secular theory than through scripture? Or that we're often finding ourselves getting pulled into desires that are really very counter-Christian counter desires. And here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Are we allowing our truth to be formed by the pattern of the world around us that's under a curse? <laughs> or are we allowing our, our, our truth to be formed by our own reasoning? And this is, this is a sensitive one because, you know, we kind of put re our own reasoning right at the top of the totem pole when it comes to. But you have to realize our reasoning is so influenced by the culture that we're in. That, that and, and even most of the planet doesn't think like we think, like as Westerners. Or are we allowing our, our, our truth to be formed by the field-tested patterns of Scripture? Interesting, the Scriptures that somehow endure thousands of years, that over and over again we, we think we can depart from only to end up coming back to them realizing these, these are solid foundations we can build on. You know, Voltaire. It would be, two, I think, 200 years ago. Isn't he the one who said, God is dead? And then later, they were printing Bibles in his house. You know, we, we, we end up returning, realizing that maybe these, these teachings are, are dependable. Jesus, in one of his last teachings to his disciples, warned, uh, Matthew 24, he said, Don't let anyone mislead you. Many will, try, many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. That just sounds like maybe today. He said, don't let anyone mis mislead you. Sin will be rampant everywhere. Don't let it mislead you. The love of many will grow cold. Don't let that mislead you. False prophets will appear. Don't let that mislead you. In the New, Test New Testament writers, they followed this up with 40 more warnings about deception. What is deception? Deception is when we believe something that's not true. When we, when we think something is true, but it's actually not. Why do we sin? We sin because we believe something that's not true. We believe something will make us happy that won't make us happy. We, be, we believe a lie will make us happy.
Ignatius of Loyola, who's the founder of the Jesuit order, he defines sin as this, the unwillingness to trust that God, what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. I made reference to this right at the beginning of the message, but the very first spiritual attack against humanity was an idea. It wasn't a weapon. It wasn't a disease. It was an idea. And it was a serpent. He came to Eve and he said, God is holding out on you. God has said you shouldn't have this, but what he knows is that if you do this, you'll be better off. If you make your own decisions, if you determine your own course, take control of your own life, you will be like God. And Satan wasn't just sowing a lie. He was actually sowing a whole system of thinking that we still struggle with today. Lies about who God is, who we are, and what makes a happy life. John 8, 47. Jesus said, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. And then he got a little bit confrontative. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. But you know, there's parts of me that if I'm honest... They don't belong to God. See, because if I would, they belong to God, I would be listening to God about those parts of my life. And it might be ideas about finances. It might be ideas about family. It might be ideas about friendships. It might be ideas about success and careers. It might be ideas about worry and anxiety that I don't listen to him where he says worry about nothing but pray about everything how many want a report card on that one you know because that's a part of me that doesn't want to that's a part of me at times it doesn't belong to him but I want I want it to belong to him because I find when I get stuck on my own ideas, they don't work. But his do. Let's stand up. Bless you. You're allowed to do that in church now. What's the antidote? What's the antidote? Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing through one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. What's the antidote for lies? It's truth. You don't, you don't fight you don't fight deception through just meditation time. You fight it by establishing truth. Where, where you have the, the untruths where that, that show up that says, I'm not valuable. I don't, I don't matter. Well, 
that's not what the truth of Scripture says about you. The truth of Scripture says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That God has taken the time to count every hair on your head. For some of you, that doesn't take long. <laughs> but the answer, the answer to lies is truth. And it's not just any, it's not just my truth. It's let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Father, I pray that as we go from this place, that we would, that we would let your word dwell in us richly. That we would confront those areas of our life where we don't listen to you because those areas don't, we haven't let them belong to you. But Lord, we want them to belong to you. Those areas where we have said things even about ourselves that you, you don't say about us. Those areas where we've said, well, you know, we failed. We can never be happy because, because we failed. Where you've said you're able to redeem all situations. Where there's, where there's been mourning or where there's been desperation, where you've said you will give the garments of praise for heaviness. That you'll bring joy. Father, we want your word to dwell in our hearts and your truth to be what our lives are built on. I'm just going to pray a prayer, and it's a prayer saying yes to following Jesus. And if you're here or maybe you're watching online and you've never said yes to him and you're, you're thinking... Uh, Right now you're thinking, you know what, I'd like to be included in that prayer. I'd like to say yes to following him. You can just join me as we pray together. Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to follow you. I want to follow in your ways. And I want to live in your truth. Would you take my life, shape it into that which you would have it be? In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.